another episode of Inlandingar. Yay! <laughs> Today we're here with Lauren Chano, a fellow Inlandingar. Hello. Hello. So we actually met about a month ago when I uh, came to your aerial silks class. Mm-hmm. Extremely exciting. <laughs> Just a little teaser for little everyone. Teaser. Yeah, yeah. So that's the vibe that we've got for this podcast. Aerial silk, so like a yoga, so you would call yourself a yoga instructor? Not so much. I would definitely say it's a little different. It's more circus-based. Okay. So it's not so much focused on stretching the body, but instead learning tricks. So yeah. that's why we get up in the air and get to do some really fun things up there. Um, yeah. So for someone who doesn't know anything about silks, or can you, can you describe it? Absolutely. It's like if there were giant curtains hanging from the ceiling and then being able to wrap your body around it and stand on knots and kind of move through the air as you get more advanced, you can do things where you're falling through the air and flipping through the air and making these really beautiful poses. So it's a different kind of experience, but something you you would see in the circus. Yeah. It's for sure a circus art form. It's Sounds a performance. Mm-hmm. I'm very curious how it was for you, Kalechi. How did you experience <laughs> it? Well, my first time was a little bit clumsy and clunky. Um, I didn't feel like I was, I think I should have come back and trained a little bit more. You're um, welcome anytime. Thank so you. Do come. Um, but it was a lot of fun. And I was, I, I mean, like I only did, did one session and we were already like in the air, like I was spinning upside down and we were twirling around and it was like. I feel like it would be a bit of like adrenaline. And then also very graceful. I feel like it's just a mixture of all these different feelings that you'd be having at the same time. To be fair, I was always felt extremely safe. I didn't have any like, I didn't feel any adrenaline. Okay. Because like the way that you taught it was like, this is like, you taught it like, it was very easy to follow and like very safe. I felt very safe the whole time. I really like to make it accessible and make it feel like it's not something that's terrifying. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. And I think when people see it for the first time, they're like, I would never be able to do that. Oh my God, you're so high up in the air. I'm not strong enough. Yeah. Yeah. And so I really want to make it accessible to everyone. So we start really low and I make a knot that's, doesn't have to be that far off the floor one meter maybe we can start low and then we stand in it and just practice doing different body shapes Mm -hmm. and then as people get more comfortable then we start doing crazier things I like to get everyone upside down in the first class though you know it's (laughs) not something you get to do very often as an adult ever so that's true you never play like that as an adult no No. I miss that a lot Mm -hmm. okay so I'm really curious about like why you are in Iceland in the first place. Do you think we can like back up and hear a little bit about you and where you're from? Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm from the US. Mm-hmm. I'm from Vermont originally. Bernie Sanders. I was going to say, I was gonna, it's like the one cream. thing I know. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Got that. Yeah, that's yeah. our go-to things, right? It's Vermont. Um, but I was living in Chicago at the time with a bunch of friends and they wanted to go to Iceland on a four-day trip. I did no research, didn't do anything and uh, tagged along. On those four-day trips, I... I was kind of at this point in my life where I wanted to travel more and I wanted to, I was teaching at a pediatric therapy center, doing circus arts with children, uh, really little, little babies. It was kind of fun. Oh my gosh, Um, how are you teaching little babies? Are you teaching them to do silks? Well, we had like a trapeze bar and we'd hang from the trapeze and we'd do songs and it was a little more theater and movement based. Mm -hmm. Um, But that was kind of what we were building and I was working with occupational therapists and uh, speech therapists to create programs for the little guys. But it was fun. Mm -hmm. But I was at this point where I wanted to, I wanted to do more travel. I really wanted to get out of the country and be somewhere new. Um, so when this four day trick came up, 
all right, let's go. And while I was here, I was kind of secretly researching like, hmm, circus in Iceland. Mm -hmm. Who's here in these four days? Can I meet someone? Uh, And I met a woman and she goes by Hula Dula. Okay. It's a cool name. Yeah. And she's like a hula hooper in Iceland. And I contacted her and we hit it off. And uh, she's like, why don't you come this summer and we'll go around and do tours and do summer camps and all of this stuff. Okay. Okay, Crazy. Is she Icelandic? Yeah. She's up north now, but yeah, we traveled around and I was a leopard. Um, what is this? Character, leopard. you know, like like the cat. Oh, okay. Yeah, like a, I was a <laughs> I leopard. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and were, yeah. we were doing this show because I didn't speak in Icelandic, and we were doing a show in Icelandic mm-hmm. for Icelandic children. Okay. So I was just meowing the whole yeah. time. Yeah. That was that was our bit, but it was really fun. It was a nice time that we traveled around and did that. Um, and actually, the same night in those four that four day trip, I was also on Tinder, you know, doing the things. Yeah, I was kind Iceland. of waiting for something like this. Yeah. Like, right, I was like, right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> the story is. <laughs> It's going to come in. Um, And uh, yeah, I met this guy and he's my husband. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I met this guy and now he's my husband. I I just told him, it was like... we matched on Tinder. We were talking, and it was our la- my last night in town. And I'm like, "You need to come down and meet me. Yeah. You're never going to meet me again. This is it. This yeah. is the one chance." Yeah. He came down, but it was my last night in Iceland, so I was partying very, very, very drunk by the time we actually oh, no. met. So drunk. Wow. I'm like, I met him in Lebowski. My group was heading out the door. I grabbed him. I'm like, we're going to Kiki's. Yes. Okay. And that was yes. it. That's how we met. And then we, I was just dancing in tequila shots that. the whole time. It was great. But then the next day, I thought I'd never see him again, you know. Because yeah. mm-hmm. you were going home. I was going home. That was it. But there was a possibility because I was talking about coming back in the summer to do this circus tour thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm, it made it more feasible. Like maybe something could happen. And then we kept messaging and talking on Facebook. And about a month later, I made a joke saying, oh, why don't you come to Chicago and, you know, make <laughs> drinks for this party if you're so good at making drinks? And he's like, okay, I will. <gasps> well. That freaked me out a little bit because so he was continued talking. Oh yeah, for some time after that, and then yeah, you, okay. Cut and then he stayed with me for two weeks in the U.S. That was no our second date, wow. which was pretty surreal, but it was good. Love it when somebody just like says what they does what they say they're going to do. Yeah, <laughs> do you know exactly. what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. so often you're like, oh my gosh, you should come and stay with me. You should like we should yeah. definitely meet up. And they're like, okay, I'm on my way. Yeah. Like I'll be there at noon. <laughs> anyway, I was just a little taken aback because it was a joke. Because the last time I really met him. I was drunk. I didn't know who he was and we'd been messaging. And you know, sometimes when you're messaging, everything's fine. Mm-hmm. But then you meet in person and the chemistry is just off. Mm-hmm. And would kind be our then first like... time meeting sober. Oh my yeah. gosh, yeah. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Welcome to my place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my Here's my entire family and all of my <gasps> friends. Wow. Okay, fun. So he stayed for two weeks mm-hmm. and then? And then that summer, I, I did come back. Did, I ended yeah. up doing the summer tour where it was a performing leopard that juggled and went around and taught classes to kids, um, which is great. Really fun experience. And then we got to do a little bit more of the actual dating thing, yeah. which mm-hmm. was nice. Mm-hmm. It was already weird, though, because we had lived together for two weeks. And then yeah. you kind of like all those boundaries, those first meeting things that you would do with someone would just skip. Yeah. yeah. You're living at my house for yeah. two weeks now. There's no hiding. We just are who we are. It's like an accelerator for yeah. dating. Yes. <laughs> like, dating accelerator. For I like sure. it. Yeah. When did that all happen? When are we t- what year are we talking? This is oh, like 2018. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. It's been a few years now. I'm also like, I would like to know more about the circus part because I 
not every day that I meet somebody who is able to juggle and, <laughs> you know, do flips in the air. So I would <laughs> like to know, like, how did you get into this? Yeah. Um, so I, I come from a theater background because my parents had a theater company when I was born. So like my mom was pregnant and I was like on stage in the womb. Yeah, and you're feeling the vibes. <laughs> when I was born, uh, I would be sleeping underneath the stage in the dressing room and she'd be tap dancing on my head kind of thing. Wow. The baby. And when I was old enough, not very old, like teeny tiny they would hold me on stage for the baby vibe you know they bring in the baby and they bring in the dog to like ah with the audiences yeah. um so I was on stage from a very young age and that was a part of the family like singing and dancing in the living room and just all the time musical theater stuff which is cool it didn't last very long um by the time I was going into kindergarten the business kind of collapsed. Okay. So we moved to Florida and we were down there. My mom was on the home shopping network where she was selling all of these things on, the on late on night TV. TV. Yes. Oh my oh my gosh. Gosh. Awesome. Yes. 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 So That's um, your mom. Yes. Yes. She is a performer. Yeah. She is just like really goes for what she wants to do. And it's just like amazing. Yeah. Um, so that's where I get that performance aspect from. And that just kind of continued through my whole life being in different theater things and dance and gymnastics kind of came in there too, mm -hmm. which made circus an easy transition later yeah. in life. But I got really into Cirque du Soleil. I just thought Cirque du Soleil was amazing. And uh, I was doing a research project in high school and I found an audition. I was like, oh my God, like I'll just put in information. I don't think they'll ever choose a 16 year old. And like, oh I'm not gosh, gonna, I'm not gonna set this up. I did not get into Cirque du Soleil at any point. Okay, I was but like, I'm gonna <laughs> say, no, 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 that's gonna happen. I don't even wanna, yeah. we don't need to go there. Can you explain what Cirque du Soleil is? Yeah, Cirque du Soleil is this high art performance circus group. It doesn't use any kind of animal. It's not like your Ringling Brother type thing. It's more of an artistic expression. Mm -hmm. Um, where they're integrating technology and circus together. In the show that I was researching, it was Ka in Las Vegas that I got to go see. Oh, so cool. <laughs> but they had this giant stage that just totally turned vertical. And then they do tricks oh where they climb up the stage and flip off. I feel like it's just the best of the best that the circus, mm -hmm. like high level, big, the Broadway of circus? Right. I don't know. I guess exactly. you could say it like mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um Okay, so you didn't get into Cirque du Soleil age 16. I did not, no. <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't want to lead us down that road thinking that that was happening. But just, I got, I did get to go to the audition. Yeah. And that alone was an amazing experience. Like, <gasps> I'm so young and I had that theater performance background. So my resume looked really nice. And they're like, yes, come. And just the experience of the audition was so different than a theater experience because my parents had a theater company and they had auditioned talent in New York. And so I'd gone to those auditions. So I had a sense of what that world was like. Mm -hmm. um, so cutthroat, so mm -hmm. intense. And while the people in the room at the Cirque du Soleil audition were definitely cutthroat and intense, like I was talking to an older woman who was just casually bringing her foot over her head and being like, I do trapeze and Lyra and silks and this, what do you do? And I'm like, I'm 16 and go to high school. Like, yeah. that's all I do. <laughs> Why am I here? Um, but we got to play games and they were really supportive. Mm -hmm. And I just, I was really taken with that, that in this circus world, my first real experience with circus, that it was so kind. Like, we're going to warm up together. We're going to do these activities. You're not just walking in the door. You have three seconds to either make an impression, do well, mm -hmm. don't mess up your note and leave. But we spent an hour together doing warm-ups, doing activities where, of course, they were 
you know, judging you, staring at you the whole time. But nonetheless, they took the time to see me for an hour instead of three minutes that you might get in a theater audition. And that felt really different to me and made a big impact. Um, And I said, like, oh, my God, I need to do more. I need to do more to try to get into Cirque du Soleil now. Mm -hmm. So I ended up going to school in New York City for theater because I was kind of on the... So theater, when you say theater, do you mean, like, acting in a play? Acting in a play, yes. Mm -hmm. I wanted to do musical theater, but I didn't get accepted into any programs. I was devastated. But I decided I'll go to New York for acting and I'll take my dance classes. Still cool. Definitely cool. cool. I mean, I feel like I'm hearing all these different, like, so you sing as well. That's what kept me out of music okay. theater. Okay. Okay. That's yeah. the, okay. mm, yes, okay. a little, kind of, but not so much. Karaoke, yes. I'm in. Yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh, welcome to Iceland. You'll yes. fit right in. Yeah. <laughs> it's the national sport of Iceland yeah. is karaoke. Oh, it's the best. It makes you feel like home. Yeah. What was the school called? Marymount Manhattan College. Okay. So it's on the Upper East Side, New York City. And uh, I was taking oh. dance classes and singing classes and doing everything I could to do musical life. But I kind of thought back on this experience where I had this Cirque du Soleil audition. And I was like, well, if I want to do this, I need to learn some circus. Yeah, It's New York. You can learn anything in New York. So I found silks was the first thing I found. Flying trapeze felt like too much. Flying trapeze is when you've got the like stick in the air stick. <laughs> you, and you're like swinging and like jumping onto different like sticks, poles. Yes. Yeah, different bars. Bars. Bars on go. a string. Yeah. Yes, that's flying trapeze. <laughs> that seems terrifying, right? Yes, like, how do you even train to do something like that? I how felt that way too. To I do flying trapeze now, like Jeez. on a belt. That's how they you teach you. <laughs> it sounds like you. It's a gateway, you know? Yeah. You like enter the circus world and all of a sudden all yeah. those things happen but yeah on flying trapeze you have a belt a okay. spotting belt so it's not as scary when you're first learning okay. actually but from a perspective Ooh. of like looking at that you're like how how does how that do even you even happen? try right so for me I didn't want to start there uh, as a gymnast you know even in gymnastics you start with easier things through progression and it gradually gets harder and so I looked at silks it's close to the ground so mm-hmm. I feel like okay I could probably build some strength and learn gradually harder things so I found a class first class Totally in love. That was it. Life-changing. The challenge, uh, the mental challenge. I think there were so many things that my body just couldn't do, but I loved that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This Mm -hmm. class wasn't built like my classes where it's accessible and you get to try things and do things. Um, I was athletic and a dancer, so I was able to jump in and and get into things pretty quickly and have some success. But there was a lot of things that I didn't have success with, but I just loved it. Yeah. Like, my body was so confused. It it wasn't like being in the gym where you're lifting weights and it's hard. Mm -hmm. It was just like, oh my God, my brain doesn't understand. I can't do this at all. Okay, so is it more like, is it like, connecting your like getting your body to do things like with your mind do you see what I mean yeah there's like the connection isn't there totally yeah. and it's just like it, you maybe never used those muscles before mm-hmm. and so the brain is like you want me to do what <laughs> yeah and you're standing there you're watching someone else do it and they're just like yeah like this and you're like uh what? <laughs> what's happening um but I loved all of that and how sore I was the next day how it felt like an extreme workout. I was exhausted by the end of class, mm. but I never felt like I was working out because I was so into the challenge of learning the next thing. So hooked, I would go all the time. That was the beginning, the gateway into circus arts. Yeah, yeah. very cool. Was, mm-hmm. Did you have it in the back of your mind all this time that like your goal was to be in the Circus du Soleil? I think after that audition, I was, it was there. I mean, it feels like too high of a goal. How would I ever get there if I'm already 16 and I don't know how to do all these other things? Like, I feel like I kind of missed the boat 
you know, and I do not want to be in Cirque du Soleil anymore. I have totally different goals at this point. But when I was in college, I was just kind of figuring things out and I wanted to perform and uh, I didn't really know. I was just grabbing anything that looked shiny and exciting. And did you make Aerial Silks your career straight out of college? Kind of, yes. Okay. So transition happened. I was really frustrating, frustrated in my acting school because I always wanted to do musical theater. Yeah. I always, I mean, I wanted to move and dance. And in my dance class, they were literally like, okay, everyone else gets to move really fun. Lauren, you're too good at moving. You have to just sit in this box and do nothing. What? I'm like, this is my one class to move. And they're taking <laughs> oh away my movement. Um, so I, I was just frustrated that I couldn't do what I wanted to do there. So I transferred to Skidmore College in upstate New York instead um, to just kind of switch gears. And the performance aspect didn't resonate with me. The theater world, there's so much ego, like the reason for being on stage and like, look at me. And Mm. it didn't, something wasn't resonating. I was resonating. Mm. I was missing something. Mm. Um, So when I was in New York, I did a program in dance therapy Again, I was just looking at things and I was like, this is cool. It takes concepts that you might do in a theater class. In theater class, you're always doing weird exercises. Walk through the space like an animal and then (laughs) imagine this is happening. But it's using it in a therapeutic way. And I think a lot of acting training is therapeutic because you have to know about yourself and your physicality. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so I love this idea of taking this art form that was such a strong part of me that I loved so much, but then using it to help people, like using it to find connection with people. That seems so much more meaningful. So uh, I find that so interesting, that concept, yeah. dance therapy. I think mm-hmm. we like touched on it a little bit in a previous podcast, not really dance therapy, but like just the way that dance like or movement like makes us feel and can like shift your energy. Yeah. Like Absolutely. shift your state. I didn't think of it as an actual, like actual I could therapy. go to dance therapy. I think I would love that. <laughs> it's I, a newish thing. Okay. It's definitely up and coming um, in the US. It's around, but it's it's this concept of the body-mind connection and yeah. that even your body holds on to a lot of things that happens. If you're feeling a certain way in a mental state, it's going to be expressed in your body somewhere. You're going to maybe have physical tension in your Mm. body somewhere. And so then it's using movement to maybe get into that, to Mm. explore where you have tensions and why. Mm -hmm. So I just loved all of these concepts of using movement to help, right? Yeah. Um, That was right up my street. (laughs) Can you open one of those stores? Like those companies? Yeah, I would love to. But I think the nice thing is that the social circus concept kind of integrates some of that stuff. And I liked it because it's even more accessible in in some ways. Uh, I don't know. Mm -hmm. So so do you think like the social aspect was what was missing for you from the like acting world that you were in? This connection with people, it just... It felt a little superficial to me. I couldn't motivate, why am I doing this? What am I getting out of this by standing on stage and being like, look at me? Mm-hmm. That didn't, I don't know, it wasn't enough for my my heart. Um, and yeah, it was a nice transition into this more therapeutic. I was always into psychology and interested in this. So I changed schools and made up my own major in dance therapy and drama therapy. I'm like, I'll just put all the things together and (laughs) great. (laughs) Um, But while I was there, I wanted to keep doing circus. So I started a circus club and this was like the pivotal point. This was, this totally shifted everything. Um, I originally started the club because I wanted to do silks and I wanted the school to pay for me to go do silks over here. And I knew if I had a club and I could get more people on board, they would do that. They would pay for me to go take silks over there. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Took forever to organize lots of work. But I started gathering these people who 
were interested in circus because maybe the other things offered didn't benefit them. The, or they didn't fit into those different groups. They didn't fit into basketball or, or soccer groups, or they weren't into singing. So it was just a lot of people who, well, okay, what's this? I'll try this yeah. out. Mm-hmm. Um, jugglers, gymnasts, people who just hula yeah. hoopers. Yeah, just a, a really interesting group of people came together. And organizing this group and teaching each other different circus skills was so much fun and it was so nice and this was kind of that piece that I was missing you know this community building was magical to me and I wanted to make it accessible to anyone like everyone should learn how to juggle and I think circus can be a beautiful metaphor you know like it's a freak show right all these Mm. people who maybe you don't fit in somewhere else but it's cool you'll have Mm -hmm. a home here like please come please come be a part of this misfits totally yeah and a, a place that everyone can feel safe and that felt really nice. That was something I really enjoyed building and felt really meaningful. Um, and that that was a shift. From then on, it's yeah. been circus ever since then. Yeah. yeah. And that was led to the exploration of social circus, mm-hmm. which kind of fits in nicely with the dance therapy piece. But it's using circus to benefit uh, or to it can be used in many different ways. Circus used with refugees, people with disabilities, people of different population minority groups. Um and, and using circus is kind of the shiny thing mm-hmm. to help bring people together or create social change for that yeah. group. And I thought that was so beautiful, too, that you could use this thing that's really fun and encourages people to play. Mm-hmm. And playing is so healing. It's something we all forget about, mm-hmm. play and movement. And then being able to use that to, to help people. Yeah. So I was like, this is it. This is what I'm doing. And for me, that helping what I've been focused on mostly is building communities, creating safe places for people to come together. But since then, I've done work with, I have worked with individuals with learning differences, different disabilities. Mm -hmm. So accessibility for everyone to be able to do this art form and feel connected is what I'm working towards. Very cool. I love it. It's kind of what we need. Yeah. Especially as like if we're talking in the context of like people who have moved to Iceland, like that is like, wow, like it's such so amazing that that's on offer for people. Like it's okay, maybe like I feel like the most important thing is like the connections that you're making. Like, yes, you're doing circus and yes, you're like in the air and spinning and that's really fun. But like at the end of the day, you like might meet some really cool people that you connect with. Maybe it's the first person that you connect with when you like land on this island. You know, I think that's just really lovely. And that's 100% what I wanted to be. And mm. being that person myself, like being someone who landed on this island and didn't know anyone, mm. it, it was kind of a funny way to build that community for myself as well, right? Mm. To like, oh, yeah, this is cool. And I see there are other people. How else can we make this? So it's inclusive. We all have something to do together. And we often do activities outside of class too. Just yesterday we went hiking. Um, oh, nice. Just to cool. like feel a little closer, which is cool. Very nice. I'm so you, you're clearly here in Iceland with us, <laughs> sitting right here. But how did you, when did you end up making the move over? In 2019. So 2018, the rest of that year, I continued to travel. I thought, wow, it was so easy in Iceland. Can I do this in other countries yeah. too? Where I'm like, I make a connection and I just kind of intern or hang out and see different circus arts. And I was able to do that a little. I went to the UK and I was bouncing around. Sometimes it just meant sitting in a school for a day and seeing how they do things. I was looking specifically at social circus organizations to see how they run and get a better sense of what other countries were doing programming wise. Um, I did this program with the Caravan Circus Network. They have a social circus teacher training program. Program. Okay. 
And that was fun because it went to four different countries. So we went to, we were in like Berlin, so Germany, Finland, Belgium, and France. So it was a week in each of those places at four different circus schools with the same group of people. So we got to you got form really close our as well community, oh, yeah. Wow. And it's a, a group of community builders, you know. So that's really fantastic <laughs> yeah, yeah, too. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. this is Imagine all of our group. thing. <laughs> yeah. We had so much fun, um, but that was great—a great experience and a nice way to see different communities and how they were structuring and kind of learning from that experience, gaining more tools and resources to continue to do what I was interested in doing. Mm -hmm. So that was great. I went to India for a while to visit a friend, uh, did some training, circus training there as well. I just bouncing anywhere I could and trying to connect it. Pick it up in every country that you go to. Yeah. And I mean, I built the tour that way. So that's what I was kind of chasing, you know, it's like I was chasing circus schools around the areas. Um, And then at the end of that year, (laughs) <laughs> when I was totally broke, I spent all my money <laughs> running around um, and doing long distance with Christian, who's my now husband. But that boy I had met in Iceland yeah. at that time, yeah. um, it, it was kind of like, okay, if we're going to try to do this, we need to do this right and be in the same place for a while. So I ended up coming back to Iceland and I got a job here so I could stay for a year. So I was here for the whole year working at Aerial Pole, which is where I did the ah. uh, silks program there for a while. And uh, yeah, so I was here. And since then, I've pretty much been here. The following year, 2020, 2020. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> my husband and I decided to get married mm-hmm. um, and we were going to try to move to the U.S., Oh, but COVID, so... Yeah. That wasn't a great option. Yeah, because he couldn't even then visit. No. uh, You guys were in the same situation, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. Now are you just happy to be here in Iceland or you would? I'm very happy to be here in Iceland. I mean, upon making the decision to move here officially, and it was much easier because I was married. Mm -hmm. So then I was able to kind of do my own thing, which is when I started Korea Aerial Arts. That's when I started teaching classes. Um, I teach out in Fitkir. Uh, near Nordringobreut, okay. where there's mm. higher ceilings. So we really get to play with doing drops and all these crazy things really? as students get more advanced. So that was exciting. Have um, you taken a student from like beginner to advanced? Yes, I have. Wow. I have, I have a whole group of students like that. So it's really fun yeah. to kind of watch them grow from the beginning and then be able to do these crazier tricks later. Yeah. Um, so how was your experience of moving to Iceland? Did you feel like you like settled in very quickly did you have like a a family to welcome you like how did you feel yeah definitely literally moved in with the family oh you did which is <laughs> really nice yeah which made for a nice base like it was nice to be able to be integrated culturally so quickly to be under the root eating dinners together and a lot of Icelandic that I didn't always understand no. but everyone was really nice and able to support me and welcome me in that way um, there was a lot of isolation, though, not knowing the language. Yeah. And that was yeah. the hardest part as a social person who wants to know what's happening all the time. Yeah. To then be shut out like that was whew, heavy for a while mm-hmm. and difficult. I don't think my husband really understood for a while what that meant, like why it felt so bad to just sit in a group of friends and them all be speaking Icelandic and just being hanging in, being excluded. Mm-hmm. Um, it is... Um really uncomfortable thing and it's hard to explain really Mm -hmm. Mm because I guess it's kind of a thing where nothing is nothing bad is happening except like I don't know there's something about it you feel so like um 
hyper aware of the situation that you're in when you like mm-hmm. yeah I don't know I find it really hard to explain but I, I like relate <laughs> yeah it just feels uh yeah just not knowing and mm. you know it's it feels rude sometimes, but also who who are, who am I? This person who doesn't speak the language who lives here to say, oh, it's so rude, you're ex- excluding me. I expect you to speak English when you're around me. That also mm-hmm. feels horrible. Mm-hmm. It's like, we've talked about this often. It's like, even if they were to switch to English just for you, then it's like the pressure is on. You have to be, you know, 100% in the conversation. And like, it's because, yeah, because they're changing their language for you. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, you don't win in any situation, really. <laughs> At least I don't think. No. Whether they're speaking English or Icelandic. Yeah, it's tricky. Yeah. And I mean, but sometimes it's nice. Don't get me wrong. As I've stayed, I've gotten more comfortable with it. And I kind of love sometimes when people are speaking Icelandic and I'm like, ah, they're not speaking to me. Cool. I'm going to just chill. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to space out. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then if they have something to say to me, they'll speak in English. And then I'll be like, oh, yeah, huh? Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah exactly. In the zone. Yeah. That's kind of nice sometimes. Yes. Mm-hmm. You're, you're very right. And how, how, have you felt that it's gotten easier over the years that you've been here? Or like, yes. and is there anything that you do to make it easier for yourself? I think I've. I've done the Icelandic courses and I'm doing a lot of Icelandic learning and it's nice to have the pressure because I think if I didn't live with my husband's family, it wouldn't be there as strong. Mm-hmm. But because I'm in these social situations Every where day. they're <laughs> all speaking Icelandic, it's really good motivation to be like, I want to know what they're saying, yeah. like, what's happening. And uh, while it's taken a lot of time, but I am able to understand more and just kind of hear within conversations, which is rewarding. Mm-hmm. But I think the other part of isolation that was difficult was just breaking into Icelandic circles and again I was lucky because of my husband and his friends were fantastic Um, a lot of them studied English or had been to other countries so it was normal for them to switch to English and keep me involved in the Mm -hmm. conversation so ah, that was a lifesaver it's nice (laughs) to meet like a group of people like that yes but there was plenty of times going to parties and just not knowing anyone and not feeling able to kind of break into the conversation Mm -hmm. and also there's cultural thing of oh like what is the culture I'm a loud American (laughs) what do I do just like walk in really loud (laughs) screaming hello look at me like that didn't feel comfortable either I wanted to be sensitive to whatever Icelandic culture is and I had a feeling that it wasn't that because I didn't see many people doing that (laughs) (laughs) so walking in and being like hi my name's Lauren what's your name just didn't feel right Mm -hmm. so it kind of was like like, I know what it's not I'm not sure what it is but I feel like right when I was leaving the U.S. I was like getting down like how to socialize in parties because like I had just gotten out of university so I was like I got this down and when I came here I was like oh this is not the same like I have to learn again like completely oh my god because it is just like a I think that a lot of people would not realize how different it is actually how to socialize and like yeah when you see somebody that you know out and about I'm used to in the U.S. getting excited and being like hi like really excited but I noticed people are not like that so much here because of course you're running into people all the time so now I'm starting to be like that like if I run into someone I'm just like "Mm, hey (laughs) and I'm like whoa this is a personality thing that's changing in me and when I go home I have to watch it because my friends might be you know offended offended yeah you're not that excited to see me I'm like no it's just uh I live in Iceland now exactly (laughs) people don't get excited like that's so strange it does feel like the weirdest thing especially going back to the U.S. it's like I feel like every time I switch countries I'm having a a personality crisis like who am I am I this quiet person now or am I a loud person what's the real me like Mm -hmm. how do you negotiate that as you go back and forth it is really difficult do you travel home often I hadn't for two years because of COVID but I recently did for 
Christmas this mm-hmm. year. And it was a lot of reverse culture shock, which I was anticipating. Yeah. Um, but it kind of holds up a mirror to like, oh, here are all those things, you know, being more subdued when you meet people or less present in a conversation and being okay with that, you know, like being able to just zone out in a conversation is a skill I've developed here, but isn't necessarily usual in America. If everyone's speaking your language, they'd be like, hello, like, why aren't you here? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that was strange. Uh, The one that really shocked me was I went to the Thanksgiving Day Parade. Okay. And I didn't realize this until I was standing in the crowd in that moment. Mm -hmm. But we're looking at all the balloons and things like that. And all the Americans are just like, wow, look, it's SpongeBob. Ooh, <laughs> ah. And the balloon was blowing in the wind and it was going towards the building. And everyone goes, whoa, oh my gosh. the whole crowd, you know? Oh my gosh, and I was like, so wow, fun. this is really American. Yeah. You go to a parade in Iceland, it's just... Yeah, <laughs> nothing. <laughs> Everyone's very polite and you yeah. know quiet yeah. and watching and observing, and that's cool too, you mm-hmm. know. And sometimes having everyone around you's personal commentary can be a lot and yeah. not mm-hmm. always necessary. But it just kind of I I thought about my classes that I was teaching too. I made jokes with my students, you know, because in classes I'm always making jokes, mm-hmm. and I was teaching back in the U.S. too, and I was making these jokes with the kids, and they banter with me they'd banter back and I'd be like oh wow this is different I was like wait a minute no wonder I've been making jokes in Iceland for two years and no one laughs no one makes any noises and I'm just like yeah like do this thing which is fine and I said it to my students when I got back and they're like well we're laughing on the inside I'm like I know I know it's just a cultural difference but it's funny it's a funny experience when you can finally be like oh Mm -hmm. that's what's different yeah Yeah. it's fun to see and have you made any like so is your main group of your social group, are they Icelandic or do you have like foreigner friends? <laughs> it's a bit of a mix, I yeah. think. Yeah. Um, I have a lot of foreigner friends, but I have a lot of my husband's friends who mm-hmm. are Icelandic and we all hang out together. Mm-hmm. So again, mm-hmm. I feel lucky that I'm in the situation that I'm married to an Icelandic yeah. person because I think it makes it easier to cross that border that boundary Mm -hmm. um but i think with my silks classes too like that's what i'm really interested in continuing to work for is i think that it's great to be able to have international friends and friends in iceland and so i do have students who are icelandic and students who are from another country and so they all get to hang out and maybe they're meeting people that they wouldn't have gotten to meet before so i love that because i think it's important yeah people shouldn't feel like out, outsiders within a community like we, we're all yeah. together and we all have something really wonderful to offer each other and mm-hmm. we should all be able to you know be yeah. spend time together Definitely. I think it's really cool that you like built a platform for that because there aren't actually very many situations where that happens no like yeah. apart from like workplaces a little bit now when you have mm-hmm. more sort of non-Icelandic speakers working in workplaces then you get a little bit of a mix but like you can as a foreigner you can live your whole life here only be, like socializing with foreigners yeah yeah. And also Icelandic people. I, I've at least noticed this. I've like confronted my, like my boyfriend, he's Icelandic and his family. I'm like, do you have any friends that you speak English with or like any foreign friends? And they're just like, they have to think about it. And they're like, wow, no, I really don't. Just because they have their friends from when they grew up. So they never really get the chance to meet anybody that is foreign. And then it's just really easy to, you know, keep stereotypes in your head because you don't really have any experiences with these people. So I think that was like, one of the reasons we wanted to start this podcast was to, you know, hopefully Icelandic people listen to it. Probably not that many, but still just to learn about when you learn more about people from other places, it's just 
can change how you, you know, like maybe a stereotype you had in your head. So I think it's really cool that you are getting Icelandic people and foreigners together in the same place. Thank you. Yeah, I think it's it's needed. It's important. And, you know, coming from a country like America where there's yeah. so much diversity and diversity is celebrated, maybe not recently, but usually <laughs> at one point it was yeah. really celebrated. Yeah. You know, it's a beautiful thing that people come from different places and have different things to offer. Mm-hmm. And I think that Iceland could use some more of that. Yeah, and definitely. it's it, it's not a, a blame game. It's just the way that it, this has grown up. Like, this just the experience of these people who are used to being closer together with the people they've known since they were younger. Mm-hmm. So they're they're just not thinking about it. No. Yeah. Um, but the so Korea Aerial Arts has several branches, and so another part is Silly Susie the Clown. Uh, Wait, silly can, you, Susie can, the, can you say that one more time? <laughs> yes, Silly Susie the Clown. Okay, okay, that's also me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's all me right now. Um, but she goes around and does. Um, we've been in libraries, and I have another friend, Alistair Murtas, who's Momo, who comes around with me. Uh, she's from Italy, and we've been doing these programs where we. The concept is uh, Silly Susie has come from the U.S. She doesn't speak any Icelandic. Mm-hmm. Please, children, will you help me learn Icelandic? Oh, my gosh. And I mess everything up. You know, soup and soap. Those are hard. Supa, sopa, sopa, supa. I mess everything up. Api, avi. I'm just always switching these words into ridiculous situations. Um, and the kids get to mostly laugh at me, but also help me learn Icelandic, which is really nice. And it's been a fairly light show for now, um, but we're gradually developing it more and more. When I bring on my friend Alice, she comes in as Momo, and uh, then we ha- she'll speak Icelandic because she speaks Italian and French and Icelandic and well, Spanish, all of these different one of languages. The, one of these types. Yes, amazing. <laughs> She's fantastic. Um, and so she'll be the Icelandic clown and I'll be the English-speaking clown and we end up fighting over a ball and we can't understand each other because she's speaking Icelandic and I'm speaking English and I don't know what they're saying. Why can't I do this? And through gesturing and speaking really slowly, we start to communicate and then we work together to solve our problems. So it's like this nice metaphor of what we can do when we work together. So cool. Which is really fun. I love how you're taking like your passion and finding a way to, how can you you know, maximize it to help as many people as you can. I yeah. feel like that's just like, it's really cool. <laughs> Let me do something that feeds my soul yeah. and all of you. Yeah, exactly. Soul. Yeah. I just think it's nice, right? It just feels nice if we're all feeling good together. So it's really cool. I love that idea. And it also like exposes kids to like the idea that people, some people don't speak your language and mm-hmm. like they just, and that's fine. And we support each other and we help each other. And it's like, it's nothing that you can't overcome. Yeah. Right. And then when they encounter it in real life, that's not going to be, in any way weird or shocking or or Mm -hmm. or, i don't know yeah Yeah. and i can imagine like if there are children there that are not speaking icelandic yet this is going to be you know hit them right in the heart you know just it's going to feel like they're seen and yeah so i Mm -hmm. think that's really cool yeah we've done we do after after we'll do activities with different languages and trying to incorporate maybe other people who speak different languages too um just to say that it's like kind of cool right it's cool if someone doesn't speak your language you yeah. should talk to them and maybe they have this experience that's different than your own but that's maybe really valuable and mm-hmm. they have something awesome to share and you have something awesome to share so it can make it a really nice experience mm. so you're able to do this this is like your full-time job yes i'm also a dance teacher on the side because i've right. got to make a little more money yeah, yeah. um but yeah i do that and so I've got the silks classes, I'm doing the clowning, and then the third piece is the performance aspect of Korea Aerial Arts. 
Um, so we just made a show called Game On that was in Chernobyl last year. It was part of the Fringe Festival as well. Okay. We won the Family Friendly Award, which is oh, awesome. Oh, no. congratulations. Thank you. And uh, it's an interactive aerial silk show. So the concept is that the audience... Yes, you sent me a video yeah. of that last year. Yes, awesome. I saw that. Yeah. Yo, uh, the concept is that the audience is the player and then we as the aerialists are the video game characters. And throughout mm -hmm. the show, there are different choices that you can make because there's a voiceover that's happening. It's like, would you like Space Cat to go to space? <laughs> or do you want Space Cat to go underwater? Because yeah. we all know cats love water. Yeah. <laughs> and so then the audience chooses through applause and based okay. on what they say, we do. Very fun. So we're all backstage like, what's going to happen? Yeah. What's going to happen? Yeah. <laughs> okay, it's you. Yeah. Go, go, go. Keeps it exciting for us. Fun. Yeah. Interactive. Very interactive. Very, very cool. Like, it sounds like you've got so much going on, but how have, like, how have you found the experience of, like, pushing these things, like, making them happen? Because sometimes I get sort of a little bit overwhelmed with the fact that I feel like there are so many, like, boundaries. Yeah. Um, how has that process been of, like, putting on these shows and opening this, com starting this company? And I, It can be difficult often. I think the language is always holding me back. It's how it yeah. feels anyway, you know, and maybe I'm just using that as an excuse, but it feels like if I'm putting things out in English, I'm not always getting a response. Sometimes I'll do a really horrible version of Google Translate and send out something and I'll get a response yeah, though. So like, yeah. all right, I'm gonna keep doing that. Um, but I just wonder what I could do if I could speak the language better or if I had different connections. It's starting to open up, I think. It's been, this is the second year, you know, it's two years 2019, three years? Uh, oh gosh, two years? three years. Coming I guess it's two. 2020 to 2022. Two. Something like Something that. Like that. So there's been, two there's been years. years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I think things are starting to come together. I'm starting to put the pieces together. and But getting the word out is still really hard. Like the silks classes, I, I just feel like I'm not able to reach the market. And maybe it's a language or I just don't know where to go. So I'm still trying to get the word out about that. And then the Susie thing is starting to get picked up more in the libraries and things like that. Mm -hmm. So it's exciting. We're getting there. Um, and yeah, Game On, it was great. We were able to get into Chernobyl last year. Yeah. So that's really awesome. We had a pretty good run. And this year we're going to try to take it on a tour. So we're going to the U.S. Okay, and we're cool. going to do the show there. Very cool. And we've been exploring, making it more interactive. So even doing a program where we go into the schools and create an environment where the kids are going to play the game a little more in the sense of an escape room kind of vibe oh. where they're going to have to do something. Mm. So them standing up and moving, moving around. a little bit. Yes. So that should fun. be fun. Yeah. And we're hoping to do that in Iceland too. We're actually applying, we're applying for a grant this week to hopefully be able to bring it to the schools in the countryside as well. Wow. So, so hopefully we'll be seeing a lot more of yes. your project. Ooh, hopefully. And if some, if anyone wants to get involved with Aerial Silks or any of the projects that you're going on, how, um, how will they contact you? How yeah. will they find you? There's a website, kriaaerialarts.com or kriaaerialarts at gmail.com. Also on Instagram and Facebook. So try to make it accessible. Yes. You can find it any way you can. I would definitely recommend. It was a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.